to our first ever live in front of an audience uh, front end happy hour podcast. Yeah, thanks for sitting and enjoying it. Awesome. We're here in Atlanta for NG Atlanta Conference. Thank you for having us here. In today's episode, we are also joined by some of the amazing speakers, which I would like to go around and introduce. Uh, we have Amy and we have Simona, John, and April joining us. Do you want to go around and give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? I'm Simona Cotton, and I work as a cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. I'm a huge Angular fan. That's and good. And what was the question? What you do and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. Well, whiskey. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Any favorite whiskey? I love Redbreast. All right. It's an Irish whiskey. It's one of the best. It's very smooth. Okay. We might have to try this one. Yeah. Amy. Uh, my name is Amy Knight. I am predominantly, I say, JavaScript developer because I've used all kinds of frameworks on the front end and Node on the back end. I am on this podcast, but I also do a podcast called JavaScript Jabber. And my favorite happy hour beverage uh, today and what I've been drinking recently, I'm going to go with uh, vodka and water with BCAs, branched chain amino acids, because I've been lifting really heavy and I need to rebuild my muscles. So, yep. Great, great mixture. <laughs> John. Uh, I'm John Papa, and I'm a developer advocate like uh, Simona, and I do Pluralsight videos, I'm on Twitch online, uh, I like to do a lot of web stuff. My favorite drink is water because I get to watch everybody else have a good time and uh, make fun of them later with videos. Yeah, that's very good. April. My name is April Wenzel, and uh, I run a company called Compassionate Coding, and we help teams become more effective, technical teams become more effective. And uh, I'm a full stack developer, actually, so um, thank you for letting me be on this uh, front-end podcast. And uh, I have used Angular in addition to a number of other things. Uh, and my happy hour beverage tonight is a cranberry and soda, but that's only because my old favorite was uh, vodka and pineapple and uh, had some <laughs> not-so-compassionate things uh, that I did with that. So uh, <laughs> cranberry and soda it is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's also uh, introduce Jem and myself as the panelists uh, for today. Jem, you want to introduce yourself? Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. All right. In each episode of the uh, Front End Happy Hour podcast, uh, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the podcast, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Atlanta. Atlanta. So if anyone, probably John, says the word Atlanta, we will all take a drink. All right. So since we're talking at an Angular conference in this great city, let's uh, talk about Angular. What city are we in? I, I can't remember where we are. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, not, I'm not sure. Alpharetta. Ah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Like this. So I'm interested to know kind of what your experience has been with Angular, what you started, why you started with it, and, and we'll start off from there. I'll jump in because it's kind of a short one here. Uh, so I used Angular uh, at a company. They had already started to use it because we were building a questionnaire type app. And so originally it was um, not using any kind of framework. And uh, the response time for the users and whatnot wasn't desirable. So the goal was, okay, let's make a single page, uh, let's make a single page app. And so um, they picked Angular. So I learned Angular that way. And then I used it continuously just because, you know, I learned it and it was useful. And uh, yeah. Awesome. I got into Angular because I was writing JavaScript, SPAs, single page apps, with what my good friend Dan Walling called a Frankenstein framework. I made up my own, effectively, uh, out of Sammy and History.js and Knockout.js and a bunch of others put together. Oh, wow. Uh, that in the end, 
was really difficult to maintain. And then AngularJS uh, took a look at that. I'm like, wow, I could get rid of these nine things and use this one, and it's actually more effective. So that's how I got into it. That's kind of how I actually got into Angular. It was taking Knockout, jQuery, I'm trying to think there was, I feel like Mustache was in there as well. And it was this language came around, and you're like, oh, this framework's amazing. And that's how we started using Angular um, as an agency doing that. But I will admit, I have not done a lot of Angular lately, and I'm super impressed with it uh, at the conference uh, today. I've learned a lot of things that have been added and that are coming, too, so I'm excited about that. Okay, so I, I can go next. Um, I'm basically a self-taught Angular person, and um, I started um, because I was using Java with GS JSPs and JSFs, which was super boring, <laughs> and <laughs> we had some jQuery there as well, but that wasn't so much more fun either. Uh, so then I decided on my own spare time to like kind of explore what else is out there. And back then, AngularJS was actually quite popular. I'm not sure if React had been already open sourced. But I learned AngularJS from Mr. Kent Dodds on egghead.io. Right on. Yeah. And that was really awesome because uh, there were these free courses. So I had the opportunity to go through every single course and explore with like really small projects. And then I built an e-commerce website and then uh, this network data visualization kind of platform. And yeah, it was fun. Right on. Fun. Yeah. Amy. Sure. So I got started with Angular. Um, I went to a boot camp like three years ago and I joined a team, it was a full stack team. And most of their developers were heavily focused on the back end. And as a way for, you know, I was trying to figure out how can I be as valuable to this team as possible. Uh, and I had done a lot of like Ruby on Rails in the bootcamp and, you know, even before I went to the bootcamp. And so I kind of approached learning Angular like I did learning Ruby on Rails. And I knew like if I could learn this framework, that's how I would be able to contribute, contribute to my team the best since, um, you know, they just didn't necessarily have the patience or the time to focus on the front end. So that's really how I got started into Angular. And I think I went to like the second ng-conf and um, fell in love with the community and just kept digging deeper and deeper from there. So. Right on. For those who aren't really familiar with Angular, there's a lot of other popular frameworks, React, Vue, um, even back in the day, Backbone, I'm sure still people are using. What stands out for Angular? What's the reason to like maybe leverage it against the other frameworks? So I'm not really sure if this is necessarily something that stands out because I feel like um, all these frameworks can help you build really robust applications and big applications, but I think that um, Angular uh, really enables you to build scalable applications uh, using amazing tooling like Angular CLI and like VS Code and um, you can also use TypeScript and I feel like there's a very good thing happening there. How did you find uh, jumping into TypeScript? I've actually worked with TypeScript and AngularJS yeah. before uh, Angular 2 and I really loved it. But again, I have a Java background so for me, it was actually a relief. <laughs> You're like, not this crazy JavaScript where it's like, do whatever you want. It's like TypeScript kind of brings you back to earth on that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Really nice. Yeah. I think you just nailed it right there. Angular is more opinionated about how things should be done, which is uh, just a different way of approaching how to code. And it's been good so far. I'm just learning from everybody here, because like you said, we do React, but it doesn't matter. At the core, like, 
we do JavaScript. Like, that's what I care about. So it's cool seeing just a plethora of ideas, uh, especially here in Atlanta. Cheers. 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 <laughs> but I remember when Angular first came out, it was, we were using Backbone. No, we were using jQuery, and then we were using Backbone. And the biggest question was, should I use Angular or should I use React? And I get that all the time, even today. So Angular experts or JavaScript experts, what would you say? Try each one of them for a day to proof of concept and see what speaks to you the most. Because Vue, Angular, React, me, those three are all the top leaders. And you're not going to find, like, if I said, hey, you guys, you guys have done a lot of React. If I yep. said, well, wait a minute, Angular's really performant. You'd say, well, React performs well. Well, Angular's easy to get started with because you've got a CLI. So React has a CLI. I can build PAWAs with Angular. I can do that with React. Well, I can build really large-scale apps with that. We could do this all day. Yeah. In the end, it's which one do you rather speak with here in Atlanta? Cheers. 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 <laughs> Thank you, John. Cheers. That was a great answer. I'd like to add, too, that in addition to trying it out yourself, I think um, a good way to go about it is to find all of the stakeholders involved in your choice, like involved, that will be affected by this choice. So that includes the de other developers on your team, but also designers, I think. Because even though you may think, well, it's just implementation, like what does it matter? Like there are certain things that are going to be easier for you to do in one or the other that will affect what the designer is able to accomplish. So I think trying to uh, find out the values of the various people affected by your choice, um, uh, let, let that inform too, like which one you go with. So I want to point out, like, I'm going to play, like, a little bit of devil's advocate for Angular, but also point out some really good stuff about Angular. So I, from somebody, like, I've done, in production, I've done Vue, React, and AngularJS. I haven't done Angular. Um, when I say Angular, I mean anything uh, post-Angular 2 for people who <laughs> may not have that distinction. Uh, AngularJS meaning Angular 1. Um, but I think, um, like, what differentiates a lot of it is, like, the community. Um, I will say I feel like the Angular community is the most welcoming to um, beginners, which I, I don't know. I just always have a heart for people getting started. Uh, but on the, on the other side, when I said I play devil's advocate, I, I still will have to say that, um, like, for somebody who is learning JavaScript, I might still recommend React because I feel like, um, at least my experience, uh, it's a little bit closer to just plain JavaScript. So hopefully that's okay to say. No, but, I, but I love the Angular I community. I definitely <laughs> agree. And I, I agree with the Angular community. I've been very, very impressed. This is like, I've been to Angular conferences in the past, but I'm super impressed. It's been a while since I've been at one, and this is like amazing to be here. I feel like the community is such a good community. So you, you hit on that one well. Any other things that stand out for Angular versus another uh, framework? I feel like Vue is like very similar to Angular 1. So I see a lot of people who are like comfortable with Angular 1 going to Vue. But. I, th I think the funny thing about a lot of this is a lot of people in technology, not just JavaScript frameworks, will complain. We all complain about things, right? They'll complain because something is too uh, variant. It changes too much. Things are happening too often. And the other side is, we're in the technology, things change a lot. Yep. I think it's always funny when people say that. The other side, people get upset when it doesn't change enough. Like, oh, well, you know, it's been the same for the last two years, why isn't it changing? And I've heard that same argument about Angular many times. When I first was pitching Angular to a company I used to work at, I heard both those arguments of, well, Angular is a JavaScript flavor of the week. I'm like, you realize it's been out at the time for four years. Like, name me another framework that's been out for four years that's still not used besides jQuery and any backbone, mm -hmm. right? Um, everything else seemed to come and go. Then in the next minute, I would hear somebody say, well, it's constantly changing all the time. There's a new framework that will come back. 
it's it's funny, you know. You hear them back and forth. I think people pick arguments against React View and Angular that what they're saying a lot of times is this thing is bad because of X, but what they're really meaning is I really just happen to like React or Vue or Angular. It speaks to me. Yep. So most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, people are more they try to defend the thing that they feel good about, but they're not really articulating it like that. I think we should all just be honest and say, hey, I'm John Papa, and I like Angular. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No one's going to hate on you for it. <laughs> you can say, I like Ember, and it's okay. No, or knockout. Or... I, so this is an observation about the general community. I've noticed that React, Angular, Ember, whatever, tends to be very regional. So San Francisco, I find, is very React-heavy for some reason. Same with Utah. Yep. Versus here, it seems to be a little more Angular-heavy. Uh, Europeans I spoke with tend to be more uh, angular. What? Why is that? It's just so. Yes. I, I might be able to pitch in here. So I I've lived in Dublin, uh, where there's a you lot. You live of... everywhere. <laughs> well, one place is Dublin, but not Atlanta. <laughs> where Cheers. <laughs> where there's a lot of good whiskey. Right on. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of large companies and there's a lot of enterprise companies and uh, that's where Angular is very heavily used and you could see even in the community a, a lot of developers in Dublin they're Angular whereas now I'm in London where the startup scene is so much bigger and so much more intense and there's there's obviously big companies as well but it's much more oriented towards startups and that's a React world and you also have Facebook in London so then you have mm. the place where you have Dan Abram up there, right? Yeah. You have the place where React has been created. Yeah, and I mean, he's Redux has been a huge thing for React, which you can use in Angular. Uh, yeah. John and I were talking about this earlier. It's like you can actually use it, but I, I feel like that paradigm is better for React. And so I, I get that as like Facebook offices being there. But on the flip side is in like San Francisco, we've got Google and we've got Facebook. And it does feel like, I feel like more people are using React. It, it's an interesting thought. It's a great answer, though. Yeah. I've never considered that. And, and if you, um, so there's this um, uh, AG Grid tool, and uh, Niall Crosby is uh, the creator of, the, of that. And he was just saying that um, like that's one of the most popular uh, grids uh, around the world for enterprise applications. And he was saying that around maybe 70% of his users are Angular users. And the rest of uh, 30% maybe make up um, React and Ember and all the other Wow. That's pretty impressive. I think something folks don't recognize a lot too, maybe they don't see it at first, is that Angular, React, Vue, they all influence each other. Yeah. Simona, you mentioned that Vue, or maybe it was you, Amy, just mentioned that Vue feels like AngularJS. It yep. does. Yep. Feel that way. And Angular, the new version, from 2 and on, took a lot of... Uh, took a lot of parts from and inspiration from React and Ember. Ember, the CLI and Angular kind of came out of Ember, which came out, I think, the Ruby community yeah, that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. So it's everybody's building on each other. And these folks from Google and Facebook and uh, Evan Yu from Mew, they all talk. This is not like, you know, different factions of the world. It's really nice to see people actually communicating and making the community better. So I don't think there has to be one that wins. I actually think it's actually good for all of them. 
I agree. It's like you you have those things where we're influencing each other by trying different things. Yeah, and even the companies, we're learning from each other of like how to do it. We were talking about that Ruby CLI and then Ember, big on the CLI. And now you have like React started doing it, Angular. It's, we're seeing it more and more, which is great. You can spin up an app really, really quickly and just start working with one of these frameworks. We've seen this in the Node community too, to yep. not maybe as much notoriety, but a lot of the NPM packages for Node have influenced each other, like even Express.js, yeah. by far the most popular, in my opinion, server library yeah. out there on the server side. Uh, but if you look at that with Koa and some of the other ones, that they're happy, great products, but some of the things that went into those have actually influenced how Express has evolved along the way. It's good for all of us, honestly, the more we get. Yeah, I don't think I would be happy if we just had one framework. I, I think that would be really, really bad of us to just have one. Happy as a pun? Can, can you, ah. Do you have that in programming, like just one? I don't, I don't think programmers do that. <laughs> no, no. People really want it, right? They're like, John, I, I get it, but which one should I pick? <laughs> That's true. I want to see someone take all of them and create something with it. Just take them all oh, and see what happens. Oh, It'd be a mess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it could be done. I... I think a lot of people that are new to uh, the JS world forget the early days of Internet Explorer. No offense, Microsoft people, but <laughs> any type of monoculture in is that a product? It used to be. <laughs> it used to be a huge problem. <laughs> every, yeah, uh, I think people forget like those days when a monoculture isn't good. Everybody's like, Chrome is the best browser. I always use Chrome. Like, yeah. cool, but that's not good for our community in general. Like, soon use Firefox or Edge or just Opera. All these things are, it's better to have a diversity of thought, including this conference. Like, we're just better for it, rather than like, this one's better, let's just innovate on that because that's the best. That's not the way to think about any of these problems. One thing that I'm struggling with, though, uh, you're mentioning diversity of thought, and that's, that's not related to the React Angular uh, thing, but I'm just curious, I, sometimes I feel like we have this diversity of thought within our program, programmer's world, but we're not always considering the diversity of thought within our users, right? Because you have um, the early adopter will always use the uh, latest browser, but then you have people that have been working in companies for ages and they're still using Internet Explorer. And we have to consider that, right? <laughs> I think April, you would be qualified to speak about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I think it's well said. I think that it's true. We, we don't think enough about the people outside of our little bubble of developers. And that includes, too, as far as these frameworks. I mean, they are suitable to people with certain learning styles. Like, they're going to be easier for people with certain learning styles to pick up, you know, just based on how they're designed, how, like, the thinking process, like, the processes. So if you want to also bring more people into tech from the people who are currently out Outside of this little bubble, uh, then it, you know, probably we need many more frameworks that, like, you know, take a totally different approach. You know, uh, I mean, there's experimental stuff going on with like more visual style things like that. But I mean, I think we do need to like widen our view of what makes for good, um, good, good tech in general, and that brings in more more diverse people. Also, if I could ask a question, actually, to the whole group, I'd love to because I hear this a lot, and I'd like to hear somebody else's answer to this. Why any framework? Why not just write the entire app for your company in pure JavaScript? I mean, first off, JavaScript <laughs> early early days was that would have been really difficult. Um, I look back to jQuery. I think jQuery got us really really far, being able to support the different browsers and like JavaScript vanilla by itself. It was really really difficult to support various browsers. Nowadays, I, I actually might say that yeah, you could probably do a lot more with 
ES2016, we have a lot more of the features, um, and it's feeling more like its own little bit of a framework that we've, we've kind of used a framework to support all these different browsers, uh, templating and everything. Well, we can do a lot of that now in uh, ES2016. I always want to say ES6, but right. yeah, I'm trying ES to correct 20, myself. Whatever yeah, exactly. <laughs> ES next, whatever we want to call it. But I, I think that's a valid point. I think there's also a lot of performance gains from uh, using the framework as well. There's a lot of state management that comes for free that uh, a lot of these companies have thought through. Facebook, Google, they're, they're really solving these problems to make it great for them, but also to the open source community. So we can, I can, we can do a whole other talk on frameworks. Uh, great, great question. But as to why use a framework, if you're just building like a, not a single page app, just a single page, developer productivity. Yeah. Um, like components of Angular, Ember, or React are fantastic for productivity. So when we talk about performance, we also mean developer performance. Yep. What's faster to write JavaScript or C? Well, JavaScript, C is going to run faster, obviously, but we don't do that because it takes forever to build a web page in C. But we use JavaScript as kind of an intermediary. So performance for the user and performance for the developer, like these are things we care about. That's why I use a framework. In general, you don't need yeah, you know, I think it's less about need than it is looking long-term. So I like to answer that question with a question. I like <laughs> it. You were setting yourself up for that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So I like to answer, say, all right, well, if you don't want to use a framework, then tell me, when is your project done? When I deliver, mm -hmm. as usual people say. Yep. So after you deliver, there's no more work? No. Somebody else handles it. Well, what about maintenance or new features? What about bug fixes? What about user requests? What about training the users? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that happen afterwards. And what happens when you, the developer usually answers, I move on to another project. Now Ryan walks in and looks at your Frankenstein code that I used to write. Yeah. Your own framework. You're yelling at me in yeah. your head going, I really can't stand that John Pablo <laughs> that I met in Atlanta. Cheers. 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 <laughs> It's, I mean, it's more about, it's not just about delivering, right? It's about the whole story, the ROI for the entire life cycle of product. And maybe a suite of products if you're at a large company, because you're building a lot more. Uh, if all you're concerned with is you writing an app and getting it out the door, frankly, pick whatever you want. No framework or not, I look at it. But it needs the maintainability, scalability of your team. Yes. Um, and that's why something like we've talked about, Amber, I know, even in previous episodes, where it's very prescriptive. And sometimes that's actually... A, can be a really big benefit is like someone who works at company X using Ember and jumps over to company B. Well, guess what? They're using Ember too. It's like you can actually get ramped up really quickly because yes. it's it's really prescriptive and you can follow that. Same thing with some of the other frameworks is that you, there's, you know, a little bit differences in how a company adopts Angular or React, but you can actually get ramped up a lot quicker than just like vanilla JavaScript. If like, you know, John's done it this way and Ryan looks at it and goes, oh man, I, I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> like, and that could happen. Let's say plus one to that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like ramping up on a new project, going in, like being familiar with the patterns that are already there versus like coming onto a project and you're not familiar with the patterns and you're having to learn, you know, not just the domain, but all these patterns too. Yeah, because there's business logic too yeah. that you have to worry about. Yeah. Not just you don't want to be yeah. bogged down by learning <laughs> yes. like a framework and, yeah. and also learning the how the business yeah. side of things needs to work for your users. Yep. There's one thing that I that that was the first thing that crossed my mind. I do remember before frameworks we had to test for every single browser out there. <laughs> this is very selfish, but that's one of the reasons why I do like frameworks. They're helping us. Like They're not solving everything, but they're helping us kind of 
Overkill. Yeah, there's a lot we get for free out of that too, and like there's support for the various browsers, which is nice. People knock jQuery just, I think, blindly. They're just like, jQuery, what year is it? But they forget the problem that jQuery solved was cross-browser compatibility. Yeah. It wasn't like it was easy to use, which it was, but it solved a lot of those edge cases that we didn't have to test for, which we did back in the day. Now we don't because that's already abstracted away from us. Yeah, that got us so far. Before came out, we were doing vanilla JavaScript, and I remember being a consultant and almost doubling the cost of my projects to work in Netscape and IE. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody here know what Netscape is anymore? Oh, oh yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So that was hard. Then jQuery like saved the day. I mean, it was yeah. awesome. No, and and not to pick on uh, Microsoft, but uh, <laughs> the IE six. Like in your point of like, you'd almost have to like build per browser. I always felt like we built double the price for supporting IE six because it was very very hard. Uh, even in jQuery world, it was like you're trying to do something that the browser just couldn't handle a lot of times too. So and thank the Lord for evergreen browsers. Oh yes. yes. Oh, so wow. nice. Yes. And Microsoft is right in on that too. So thank you. Thank you both. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot even in the talks uh, today, and I know there's even more talks tomorrow, uh, a lot of really great features coming to Angular. But even like I said, I haven't really touched Angular since version 1.34. It's been a while. There's a lot of great new features. What is everyone excited about? I would love to kind of hear what you're most excited about either coming or that's recently come to Angular. I'm super excited about Angular Elements which is a project that's still um, like experimental, mm -hmm. but it's going to enable us to build components which are going to be, we're going to be able to import them even in React applications or in Vue applications. And I think that's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So we could actually take all the frameworks and put them together? Is what you're saying? <laughs> the dream. <laughs> Make everybody happy. <laughs> to answer that, looking back at last year, the biggest thing for me was the performance improvements that they made. Uh, in Angular, not just because when they first started, it was a little bit larger than they wanted it to be, mm -hmm. but they spent a lot of time and money and effort into making it really small. And the greatest part is the CLI that they built just does it for you out of the box. Mm -hmm. uh, looking forward this year, my favorite thing that they're moving towards is uh, the way to package Angular. So this is going to enable the community to create more things that we can do with Angular outside. Maybe a grid component or... I'm working on something myself for NGRX. It's if you enable the community to contribute, it makes everything better. Uh, so they're working on a, a packaging process, which I think would be great. So people can create their own NPM packages. Yeah, and actually, I'll speak to your NGRX uh, work. I'm excited for it as well. It, it takes a lot of complexity out of an application, which has been. I'm excited for you to release that. Me too. Which, it's coming soon. I, I think we're going to hold you accountable. There'll be an alpha next week. I think. All right. All right. Perfect. Um, another thing, I, I was actually really excited when they added RX, uh, which was, what, version 4, right? Am I wrong? RxJS? Yeah. Uh, that was that came out with uh, Angular 2. Angular 2, really right, yes. It's evolved, obviously. Cause it's, it's and it's getting really actually better, better and better, too. Yeah. They're adding uh, integration for the latest version, um, adding observables, which has been good. Um, so, yeah, these are all the things that are new to me when I haven't been writing Angular, and it's exciting. Are you going to come back to Angular? Oh man, um, we write a lot of React at uh, Netflix. I, I feel like it might be a tough to like change that. Um, There's Angular in Netflix as well. There is Angular in Netflix. That's a great point. A lot of the the website and and things that you see as a customer 
React. But there's actually a lot of internal teams building tools that you don't see as a customer. And we have, I've seen Ember tools, I've seen React, I've seen Angular, which is great. I, I kind of love that idea that we can solve problems with different frameworks, and we should, um, and test them for different things as well. So, we so it's not that we're not using yeah. it. We use all, we use Ember, Angular, Backbone, React. A little, there's a little bit of everything. In there, yeah. Which is just whatever, like John said, whatever you're most productive in, do that. Can you imagine we're going to have custom elements? We're going to have Angular elements. And your friends that are going to build Angular applications will enable you to reuse their components. I'm good with that. Right? We, yeah. We could talk about web components for like a whole nother, because like that's been a push, <laughs> but it just hasn't happened. So I'm excited to see Angular elements, see if that's like the final hurdle that we all start using web components finally. Yeah, web components will be good. What advice would you all give someone who's maybe getting started with Angular? I think there's a lot of people out there, or maybe they are on React or Vue. What is some advice for someone to say jumping into the Angular community? What would you give advice? Learn JavaScript first. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> to, to be honest, Amy, that would have been my like exact advice is like learn the fundamentals of JavaScript for any framework. Like so many people reach out to me about this, like a lot of newer developers, you know, what framework do I use? And like first, have you like I'm a huge Kyle Simpson fangirl, so I'm like first go through like the you don't know JS books and so good. once you go through that, then you can pick a framework. So Yeah. yeah. I then on that HTML and CSS as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of developers who feel like CSS isn't my job or they think that, like, I was this way. They think they know HTML and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, that's a property on the DOM? I didn't know that. Yes, like, stop putting, like, words in divs. Like, that's not yes. what divs are for. <laughs> oh, what drives me nuts, and I've said this on the podcast in previous episodes, is, like, when someone declares a div and puts a class button on it, I'm like... It's a button. Uh, like, there's a button, a button element. A button. Use it. Yeah. Like, it all drives need, me nuts. All we need is a div. Yeah. Every like, element in the page. Right? It's a div. Like, a link becomes a div. I'm like, no, 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 no. Semantic HTML. Yes. Do that. Please. No, no. Screw accessibility. Like, yeah. yeah. No, no one cares about that. Like, yeah. what the hell? And so, I've actually had PRs where I will comment on that and yes. be like, that looks like a button. Maybe you should change it to a button or a link. <laughs> yes, it happens. I like sarcasm, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Drives me nuts. <laughs> um, so my advice would be that some people learn things in different ways. So someone may recommend to you a book or a video series that worked for them, but if it doesn't work for you, don't be discouraged. doesn't mean you're not going to become a good, a great Angular developer. It just means maybe try a different approach. Maybe you want to do a, a project, a different kind of project or whatnot, because you know I mentor a lot of uh, d new developers, and, and they easily get discouraged if somebody tells them, oh, yeah, just do this course. It'll be easy. It'll be great. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. So I think you know everyone's different. And right now, you know, tech is still largely a monoculture, and so there's a lot of times there's people, and they all kind of think the same way. So especially if you're a newcomer to tech, especially if you feel kind of like an outsider, uh, don't be discouraged because uh, there's plenty of different ways to learn things. So just keep an open mind. Would you say, April, people should stop saying easy? I've heard that before, but it's like, oh, it's very easy, it's very straightforward, and if you don't get it, it makes you feel dumb. I've felt yeah. that way all the time. I still do. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy that just was... means that you've already learned it. Mm. You, it wasn't easy when you probably first got it a lot of times. They call it, uh, we read a book recently, Simone and I, about... They mentioned the curse of knowledge. Yeah. Once you know how to do something, it's very hard for you to empathize with the person mm -hmm. trying to learn behind you. Oh, just go watch that video, April. You'll get it. It's easy. It's straightforward. <laughs> it's easy. Should we add our keyword? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where are we again? Atlanta? Cheers. 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 
I think it's important for people to figure out what kind of a learner they are. So, mm -hmm. so I agree with you. Are you a reader, a video watcher, yeah. hands-on, pair programmer? Mm -hmm. Let me go that way. I'm just going to add on to what April said. And you mentioned there that you mentor a lot of people. Yes. So I think that as a newcomer, it's very important to not feel... Um, or maybe feel welcome uh, or try to reach out to people. And it's, it, I think it's essential to have someone that guides you through the process. So it's not, it's not that it's easy or, or hard or whatever, but it's mo mostly do you have someone to hold your hand and then things become simpler and become much easier to reason about. I really love that. And I would say to any of the more senior people listening, uh, please offer up your services to help mentor because there are so many people out there who are afraid to ask because they think, oh, this developer's so busy and, you know, and so I try to say over and over again, like, please reach out, like, DM me, email me because I make the time. You know, I set aside time every week actually to do mentoring and things because I think I know how it feels to not have somebody to go to and so I think if all of us who have some, you know, spare cycles or can at least, you know, make some, uh, to offer that up pretty clearly to, to newcomers. And I, I completely agree. Like, we've, we've even said on previous episodes, it's like, I, I actually respond to tweets of people like, I have open DM, and I will respond. Sometimes it's, it might be a bit slow, but um, because we are all busy, but I'm, I'm always willing to help someone answer a question. And if I don't know it, I might direct them to someone else who knows it, because I think it is really important. We all started from not knowing this technology. The community's grown so much that, yeah, we all had to start from somewhere. I would say, if you can explain a for loop to you, like your grandparents or something like that, and then just try it. Everybody should try it and just remember what it's like to learn that thing and explain it in really basic terms. And you could like, it just takes you back to that first time on the computer. You're like, wow, I know so much now. And just people have no idea and it's hard to get back to that. So just imagine explaining a very simple concept, even a variable to people that don't know, and yeah. you'll see how hard it is. It's actually hard to explain a lot of that. I'm like, how would I explain a for loop? I think, mean, man, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. What's an object? <laughs> oh, what's an object? What's a variable? What's an array? Like, those are like, hard, you know, we take those for granted, but it's actually hard to explain. There are a lot of great groups, too, where you could um, volunteer some time and build some of those skills. Like uh, Black Girls Code is a great group where you are explaining to young children uh, these basic concepts. And, um, you know, I think it is great practice. And I think it, build, it helps you build empathy for, uh, you know, um, anyone you're interacting with who's um, unfamiliar with tech. And also, I will say, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that some grandparents are awesome coders. Yes. So let's yes. not. So we're them. picking on the grandparents. Yes. So. I call my grandma. I love her. I'll pick on my parents. They don't know. My grandma so actually that's lives fine. in Atlanta, so it's okay. I saw her there. Cheers. 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 As we end the episode, we also like to uh, choose picks of things that we've found interesting or like to share with the listeners. Uh, I would like to go around the table, kind of weird table here that we have, <laughs> and I'd love to hear your picks for this episode. Amy. Uh, okay, so the first pick I wanted to have, like, I need to give Zach a huge shout out, the organizer of. NG Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zach. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this conference has been great. I think like Zach reached out to me, man. It was like it was a long time ago. Like last like two, early 2017. Like yeah, it was not even it was like summerish. Um anyway, so and as somebody who's like seen every all the work that goes into November because I'm in Nashville, like the the work that the organizers do to put on these conferences, I can only imagine. Um 
yeah, so thank you. Like, thank you so much. I've been excited about this conference for a while. So I usually do like a health pick and a programming pick when I do JavaScript Java. So my programming one, um, I really read a really good uh, article called uh, What Does Code Readability Mean? And it, I, I, it really like challenges the person. I think I like the points that, you know, as developers, a lot of time we'll like look at code and just say, you know, this is unreadable. And what we really mean is I can't read this. Um, so, you know, there's steps in there that you can make your code, like, quote unquote, more readable. But, um, you know, sometimes you also have to just look at, you know, your understanding of things and, you know, it's not always the code's fault. <laughs> um, anyways, and then my health pick. So, yeah, I've been drinking, like, vodka and water with BCAs. So I'm going to pick the BCAs I'm drinking. Um, they're gummy worm flavor. So they're, like, absolutely delicious by this company called Lit. Uh, anyway, so I don't know if you guys do like links to this kind of stuff. Oh, we will. But, we'll definitely link to stuff. I'll link to all this stuff. So you got to get the gummy worm BCAs. Good. Wait, wait. What flavor is gummy worm? Gummy worm? Uh, it's like fruity. I don't know, but they taste really good. So yeah. Like tastes that. good with vodka. It does. It's <laughs> really, really, really good. So you're like, you know, giving your liver a workout and <laughs> rebuilding your muscles at the same time. <laughs> all right, Simona, what do you have for us? Well, because we're at NG Atlanta, and yep. it's... Like, oh, cheers, because you did say Atlanta. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> and then you said it right after. I know, so we got a double <laughs> drink. <laughs> That's a loop. Ooh, fair enough. That's a great way to describe it. I know. Right there. So my first pick is um, a movie, and that's called Debugging the Gender Gap. Um, so and good. it's an awesome movie talking about um, how to figure out like, why do we have this gap between, like, gender and then, uh, obviously, minorities? And you learn a, lo a lot about the impact that we have, not only in our community, programmers community, but also uh, outside, like, a lot of regular people that we build products for. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome movie. I do recommend watching it. It's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Yes, it is. I love yeah. that movie. It's great. <laughs> and then uh, my second pick is Codebar, which is um, an organization that runs uh, mentoring events uh, for uh, diverse groups, and uh, they're fantastic. They, they're based in London. Uh, they also have offices, I think, in New York, or not offices, but they have people working or that have started this group in, in New York and uh, in Sydney, maybe. And they're one of the most welcoming uh, groups that I've ever attended. And they have this thing where basically um, you register as a mentor or you register as an attendee and you say what you want to learn and you say what you want to teach. And then people just raise their hands and they're like, I want to, I want to learn HTML. And I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to teach you HTML. Let's go ahead and hack something for two hours. And it's just beautiful. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. John, what do you have for us for picks? Uh, two, I'll do two picks, one technical, one not. The technical side is Amy hit on the topics near and dear to me, uh, readable code. Yes. And I actually do talks about this. It's something that really speaks to me because I believe there's a lot that we can all learn about not only our own code, but how we can help other people through writing readable code. Because we spend more time reading it than we actually write it. So to make it readable is kind of important. Uh, but what does readable mean is kind of more the deeper question, right? Uh, so... My second pick is more about a great movie I saw recently. And I went dragging, I got dragged kicking and screaming to go to this, almost literally. <laughs> I don't know why either. I actually like theater, I like musicals, and I like Hugh Jackman. 
All right. But for some reason, my wife took me to go see Greatest Showman. She went twice. The second time, she says, you're going. <laughs> Fine. And I went there, and I loved it. I cannot get the songs out of my head, and I thought the movie was fantastic. It's fun. I mean, you don't go to a movie like that going, geez, that's, you know, really deep drama. It's, uh, it's a fun movie, and it was really, really awesome. I think people should uh, check it out. Awesome. The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman. It's about uh, P.T. Barnum. Okay. Check it out. April. All right. So Ryan said I could do one or two picks, but Jem said I could you do more. You can do as many so, as you want. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Here, come, here come three. Uh, I'll just break the rules a little. So the first one is a book called The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lehrer and Tony Schwartz. It completely changed how I viewed kind of my whole life in terms of productivity and happiness and everything because it talks about managing your energy, not your time. And because burnout is such a problem in this industry, it really has helped me with that. And so I highly recommend it. Um, and second one is a food one. So since I'm vegan, I have to have to say something about that. So I recommend everybody who is thinks they could never go vegan to try the Beyond Burger from uh, Beyond Meat uh, brand. It tastes just like meat, I promise. So try it out. They have it at Veggie Grill. And then three, this is a local pick um, in uh, Atlanta. Cheers. Cheers. I'm out of drinks. So anyone here, uh, please check out Viva La Vegan, which is a great uh, locally family-owned restaurant uh, near Oakland City. And they do uh, amazing chicken and waffles, and it's all vegan. So it's amazing. Check it out. Jam, what do you have for us? Uh, I have a couple picks. Uh, The first one is a shout-out to my friend Harry Wolf, who works at MongoDB. one of the smartest people I know, uh, but it's very deceptive because he makes a lot of puns. But he has a webcast called He's the Console Log. He's good at the log. puns, too. He's very good yeah, at puns. Yeah, very good at puns. puns uh, he has a webcast called the Console Log where he just talks about like what's happening in UI land, and he does it every week or so, and it's fantastic. I recommend it. Second pick, music pick. Uh, I like music for coding. Just kind of just shut the world out and get in the zone. Uh, there's an album by Neat Beats called Cosmic Surgery. One of my favorite albums I've heard probably in the past five years or so. It's fantastic. Uh, my third pick is a little segment for uh, Valley Silicon. That is the segment where I highlight the absurdity of Silicon Valley and the amount of money that people spent on, let's just say ridiculous things. Um, my pick is the uh, flamethrower yes. by The Boring Company. So those that don't know, Elon Musk has a company called The Boring Company. He said, hey, people need flamethrowers. So what happens? 15,000 people decide that I didn't have a flamethrower yesterday, but I need one today. So they bought one for $500. So that's $7.5 million in flamethrowers that people just decided they, they need all of a sudden. What do you do with a flamethrower? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, San Francisco's now gone, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, you're targeting this market, and what are we doing with these flamethrowers? Yeah. Marshmallows? <laughs> That'd be a badass that marshmallow. Cool. I don't know. It'd probably be we should buy one of these for $500. <laughs> Sounds good. Do you Campfire want to pitch in? Yeah. Just right. be sure to video it. Oh, don't worry. Yeah. We might not be left, but uh, hopefully Flame the camera challenge. catches it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and I actually have just one pick. Um, actually, no, two picks. My first one is a Netflix original, which is a German uh, show called Dark. It's an amazing, amazing show. The cinematography is amazing. The story is really cool. If you like something like Stranger Things, I kind of feel like it, it fits in this, like, you know, a little bit science fiction, but not too much of it. It's a really, really great story. There's only one season so far. Highly recommend checking that one out. And then my second pick, honestly, NG Atlanta. We can drink to that because it's, it's amazing. It's been a great conference. It's the first year. 
I'm excited for the second year. I'm coming back. It's great. Before we end the episode, I want to thank, obviously, Angie Atlanta for inviting us as one. Cheers. Man, I need to fill up. Your cup is empty. I know, I know. It's kind of bad. Uh, I also want to thank our guests. Thank you so much, Amy, Simona, John, April. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing having you. Where can people find you uh, online, uh, Amy? Well, first, thanks for having us. Uh, appreciate it. It's fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Amy, A-I-M-E-E underscore night. Yep, that's the best way to find me. Thank you for having me. This was my first ever podcast. I know. So, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Thank you for like joining us for the first one. That's amazing. I'm happy. <laughs> um, and uh, people can find me on Twitter at Simona underscore Cotton. And that's like Simona underscore C-O-T-I-N. That's it. John? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun uh, to talk with everybody here. And you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Papa or Twitch at John underscore Papa. Same one. So thank you again very much. Got to echo that. Uh, I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Um, and to find me, I am on Twitter at April Wenzel. That's April like the month and Wenzel, W-E-N-S-E-L. And my website's compassionatecoding.com. Jem, you may as well, like, where, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Jem Young, spelled how it sounds. Uh, or send me an email, Jem at Netflix.com. I will respond. It may take me a few weeks because I'm a bad emailer. But, yeah, reach out if you have questions. Like April said, I'm happy to mentor you. And I'm at Burgess D. Ryan on Twitter as well. Uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour wherever you listen to your podcasts, the various ones that there are available. And follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words? Hotlanta. Hotlanta. <laughs> Love it. Cheers. Cheers. Man, I need more, more drinks here, Jim. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, too. Thank you. Thank you.